Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Coach, where we help you get less overwhelmed, stop beating yourself up and start living the life you want. I'm your host, Dr. Vicky Burns, ex-professor and certified life coach. Whether you're a brand new PhD student or an experienced academic, I'm here to show you that thriving in academia can be a whole lot easier than it feels right now. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the PhD Life Coach. This is the third of a three-part series where we think about how you tell your story. Now, if you haven't listened to the first two parts of this, don't worry too much, actually, because whilst this is connected, it's a little bit more distinct. So in the first session, we thought about how you tell your academic story and why that's important, how that can help you get jobs, get promotions, get awards. And then in part two last week, we really got down into the nitty gritty of how to do that. So if you want to think about that side of things, go back and listen to those. This week is connected but different. So this week we're thinking about the story you tell about yourself. So this isn't you as an academic, this is the story you tell about yourself as a person. And what I want you to do is I want you to listen to the sentences that I'm going to say and I want you to try and answer them in your head. So what I want you to do is listen to these sentence starters and finish them for you. So how would you finish the sentence? I never, blah, blah, blah. I struggle to, blah, 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 blah. I always... And I'm not good at. How would you finish those sentences? Particularly in this case, with reference to you in your PhD or in academia. So you in that sort of academic professional context, how would you finish those sentences? I never, I struggle to, I always, I'm not good at. So as an example for me, things I used to believe, stories I used to tell about myself, I never stick to plans. I struggle to get going on tasks. I always get distracted. I'm not good at mundane paperwork. And if you ask me now, are those things true? They probably are, to be fair, to some extent. But I spend so much less time thinking about them. So what I want to do in this episode is think about what thoughts you have, what the consequences of those thoughts are, and how, if you want to change that story about yourself, how you might think about doing that. So let's see, how does those thoughts make you feel? You pick your own ones, but for me, the thought, I never stick to my plans, makes me feel shame. It makes me feel frustration. Not only are those emotions not particularly pleasant to feel, they lead to actions that don't help me achieve the things I want to achieve. They don't help me live the life that I want to live. So if I'm feeling shame, that usually leads to avoidance. It means I don't want to really think about what I've planned and why it hasn't worked and how I could perhaps plan it differently. 
were they realistic plans and all of those things, I want to make it go away. I want to moan about it. I want to go on social media. I want to eat food that I think cheers me up. Shame leads to a whole lot of avoidant behaviours, essentially, that usually result in me not being any more likely to stick to plans in the future. If I think I always get distracted, then my feeling is maybe frustrated. And again, I don't then try and solve for it. I don't start exploring how could I address this. I beat myself up. I tell myself I shouldn't. I just need to focus. You just need to focus, Vicky. That's all you need to do. You just need to focus. And so again, it leads to either external actions where we sort of physically do something or internal actions where it's thoughts that go around our head. If I think the thought I'm easily distracted, I also then end up beating myself up about that to some extent. How do you feel when you think the stories that you came up with? If you came up with some positive ones, amazing, happy days, love it. How did that make you feel? What actions do you take from those? So perhaps you responded to, I always with, I always keep to my word, perhaps. And maybe that made you feel proud. What do you do when you feel proud? So really take a couple of minutes to have a think about the sentences that you came up with and how they make you feel. Now, one thing that's really important to notice here is it's actually not even the thought we've identified that generates the feeling. So let's pick one of mine. I never stick to plans. Now, the thought I never stick to plans doesn't automatically lead to frustration or shame or any of those emotions that we were talking about. For some of you, the thought, I never stick to plans, might lead to ambivalence. It might lead to pride because actually you revel in being somebody who makes it up on the fly and does well in those ways. The key thing to remember here is the emotion comes from what you make that thought mean. What's the silent bit of that thought? So if the bit we're saying out loud is, I never stick to my plans, what's the silent bit? I never stick to my plans and I should. I never stick to my plans so I'm disorganized and my life is chaos. I never stick to my plans, which makes me unreliable. I never stick to my plans and good academics do stick to their plans. So I can't be a good academic. One I hear a lot is implications for your progress in your career. So when I coach PhD students in our group coaching sessions, I often hear I struggle to get going on tasks and so I'm not going to finish my PhD. And so my supervisor thinks I'm useless. And so maybe for those of you who are further through your careers, and so I won't get promoted, I won't get recognised. So really take a minute to think for those thoughts you identified, that story you tell about yourself, what are you making that mean? Because that's the bit that's causing the emotion. If you're struggling to figure that out, what you could try and do is write down some of those sentences that you're having and actually ask your brain, what am I making it mean? 
Ask. There's something about writing that sometimes stimulates thoughts that we didn't even really know were in there. So if you're struggling to think, what am I making that mean? That can be a really good way to open up. And don't think that that means you have to journal every day for 30 minutes. It means grab a piece of paper and a pen and write for three minutes. So that can be a way to sort of uncover some of these more hidden thoughts that you might not have spent much time pondering about. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this recognition that maybe the thoughts we have about ourselves and the stories we tell people about ourselves might be eliciting emotions that actually are holding us back? They're stopping us enjoying our lives. They're stopping us getting stuff done. What do we do with that? Well, I would like to offer you three steps to go through in this situation. So first step is I want you to pick apart the original thought. So if we take I never stick to plans, in what ways is that not true? In what ways do you stick to plans? When have you stuck to plans before? In what situations are you more likely to stick to plans? So really pick apart, is that initial statement even true? And what evidence is there that it's not true at least some of the time. Because that's a really important point here. Sometimes we say these things as though they're 100% true, whereas maybe they're true 30% of the time. Maybe they're true half the time. But they're almost certainly not true all the time. So when do you stick to your plans? Really try and pick apart that initial thought that you have about yourself, that initial story that you tell about yourself. Then I want you to think about the meaning that you're attributing to it. So if you're attributing the, because I never stick to plans, I won't finish my PhD, in what ways is that not true? In what ways do people who don't stick to plans finish their PhDs every single day? I very much identified as somebody who didn't stick to plans and probably still do identify that way to some extent. I finished my PhD. I finished my postdoc. I went all the way through my academic career with those beliefs. In what ways could it be perfectly fine that you never stick to plans? That it doesn't mean those negative things at all. So we're thinking about ways the original thought is not true. We're thinking about ways the meaning you're attributing to it is not true. And then finally, I want you to think what else is true? Because sometimes maybe it's true. Maybe you never stick to plans. And maybe that does mean that you're disorganized. Okay, what else is true? For example, for me, one of the things my colleague Jen Cumming, you'll be familiar with her if you've listened to my podcast about the strength-based review of the year. If you haven't, check it out. It's amazing. One thing that Jen always reminds me when I'm moaning about being disorganized is that I am super good at getting things done in a very short amount of time. And she's right. That is also true. So it is true that I don't always stick to my plans. Notice that I've changed that from I never stick to my plans to I don't always stick to my plans. It is absolutely true that I don't always stick to my plans, but it's also true that I can get an enormous amount of work done in a couple of hours. So what is also true for you? Because sometimes we're not looking to even make the unhelpful thought not true. Maybe we're just making it something that is true 
but that we're not spending lots of time thinking. So some things that I know are true about me, I can get so much done in a couple of hours. I keep coming back to things that are important to me. So instead of telling myself the story that I don't stick to things, that I get distracted easily, I tell myself, I keep coming back to things that mean a lot to me. And that's true. That feels really true. That feels just as true as the idea that I get distracted easily. I tell myself, I love getting on with boring admin jobs when I haven't got enough brain to do the other things. And that's true. I actually do. There's something about in the afternoon when I can't really be bothered to record something or write something to be able to just go, I'm just going to tidy up these files. Look at me sorting it out. I actually do. And I try and tell myself the story, the true story. I love it when things are all organized. And I do. It makes me all like, all neat, all nice colored pens. Got some new colored pens recently. Love them. And the story, I love it when things are all organized, feels super true for me. The story, I'm not good at keeping things organized, also feels super true. But notice the difference in those. If I think the thought, I'm not good at keeping things organized, I feel frustrated. I distract myself on social media. If I think the thought, I love it when things are all organized. I'm much more likely to start sort of tidying things up and putting things away and going and organizing my little life. So those are some of the thoughts that really help me. Now, I want to work you through an example of all of this that I think will be really pertinent to lots of you. So in my online group coaching sessions that I run for PhD students, one of the things I hear a lot is students struggling with writing. And I know academics, this doesn't miraculously fix itself once you get a job. And I know a lot of you struggle with writing as well, both in terms of finding time for it and in terms of feeling that you're good enough at it. So some of the thoughts I hear a lot from clients are things like, I'm not good at writing. I've never been good at writing. I can write, but I'm slower than everybody else. It takes me so much longer to get writing done. I'm writing in another language, so it's harder for me. All of these thoughts feel really true. And sometimes if I asked you to, you could probably find evidence that these things are true. But what I notice when I talk to clients is there's that second layer of meaning. There's that invisible part of the sentence that we talked about. So here, the thought, I've always find writing difficult, can lead to, and therefore I might not be able to finish my thesis. The thought, I'm slower than other people at writing, can lead to, and therefore I'm never going to get my thesis done if I don't give up my evenings and weekends. The thought, I'm not good at this, can mean I'm never going to make it as an academic. So Really keep an eye out for those meanings. Those are ones I notice a lot with my clients. But the good news is that we can pick this apart using that three-part method that I mentioned. So in what ways isn't it true that you're slower at writing than other people? In what ways isn't it true that you really struggle 
with writing? What writing have you got done in the past? When have you received good feedback on your writing? When have you enjoyed the writing process? There will definitely be examples of that. So really dredge your memory and try and figure out times when this thought hasn't been true, times when it's not always true, times where maybe writing isn't a positive, but it's fine. You get on with it because that's what you're doing. Then think about the meaning you're putting behind it. Does it really mean that because you're writing in a second language that you're going to struggle to finish your PhD? Is that true? Or do people who are writing in second languages finish their PhDs every single day of the week? Is it true that you have to give up your whole work-life balance because you're slower at writing than other people? Is that true? Or are there ways of maintaining a work-life balance while also acknowledging that sometimes you can take a little while to get bits of writing done? In what ways would maintaining a good work-life balance make it more likely that you'll keep going and that you'll be more likely to get that writing done, even if you do it at your own pace? And then finally, what else is true? Is it true you really want to write this thesis? Is it true that you really care about the research you're doing? Is it true that you want to make a difference in the lives of the end users of the research that you're doing? Is it true that you find it really satisfying when you see a piece of research? Is it true, and this is a big one, is it true that you can write a rubbish first draft? Because often when I ask students, are you good at writing? They say no. But when I say, can you write a bad first draft? They say yes. And they're like, yeah, of course I can. I can write a bad essay. I can write a bad paper. Happy days. Let's do that then. Because once we've done that, all we've got to believe is that we can edit it. But often we use this story that I'm bad at writing to mean that we can't even start. I can believe I'm bad at writing, but tell myself the story that I can write a bad first draft, and that is far more likely to spin me into action. So think about your examples. If you tell yourself that you're currently confused about something, would it be easier to tell yourself, I'm someone who likes to think things through. I'm taking some time to think this through. If you're somebody who tells yourself, I'm not good at small talk, how would it feel different if you told yourself, I like to watch things for a while before I join in? It's all stories. Everything we tell ourselves, everything we tell other people are all stories. And these stories have consequences for our emotions and for our actions and therefore for our results. So choose those stories carefully. Choose how you tell them to yourself and choose how you tell them to other people. Now, in terms of other people, one thing I've really noticed on my own journey is the story I tell myself has changed faster than the story I tell other people. I very rarely tell myself that I'm super disorganized and that means I'm useless. I used to a lot, but I very rarely do that now. Um, Now I'm much more likely to tell myself that I like being organized, to tell myself that if I haven't done it already, I can just get it done now. To tell myself that just because things are disorganized doesn't mean I'm not getting things done. So I'm much more likely to do those things. However, one thing I've noticed recently is that 
sometimes I still say, oh, I'm just always disorganized and useless to other people. It's like a habitual response. And it's only when people turn around to say, oh, don't say that to yourself, that I go, yeah, I don't actually even believe that. I don't know why I said that. And that's okay too. Changing the way we think, changing the stories we tell about ourselves is a lifelong process. It's not something that you're going to come on a six-week program with me and fix. There's nothing about you that needs fixing. We just get to think a little more about the stories we tell ourselves and what consequences they have. And then we get to decide whether we like that or not, whether those stories are serving us. And if they're not, what other stories can we tell? And it's not about making up blue sky affirmations. It's not about believing that we're the most amazing beings of all time. It's picking a different story that we also believe is true and giving that equal airtime, giving it equal airtime in our heads, giving it equal airtime when we tell other people and practicing those new stories and seeing what consequences they have and whether we like them or not. And if you want support on that journey, do look me up on the phdlifecoach.com where you can see all the different ways that you can work with me at the moment. Thank you for listening and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the PhD Life Coach podcast. If you like this episode, please tell your friends, your colleagues and your universities. I'd appreciate it if you took the time to like, leave a review, give me stars, stickers and all that general approval as well. If you'd like to find out more about working with me, either for yourself or for people at your university, please check out my website at thephdlifecoach.com. You can also sign up to hear more about my free group coaching sessions for PhD students and academics. See you next time.